I have to tell you, I'm happy today. I'm happy for us to be together. I'm happy to see you, many people here in the campus, on physical campus today. I know at Kendall Campus, likewise, we welcome you. But wherever you're joining us, Church Online, not only here in our state, across this state, across the nation, around the world, we welcome you. And I would love for us today to begin a little bit differently than I normally do, but as we begin to prepare him room this Advent season, I'd like to do it by officially finding my knees and asking you to join me in prayer if you would. And you can do likewise if you feel comfortable enough wherever you are, there by your couch, by your bedside, at your, at your seat, that we would just begin today by saying, Lord, thank you for how gracious you are how good you are. Thank you that you have promised never to leave us, never to forsake us, always to be with us. And we remember your promise today especially that we do not have a high priest who isn't touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but in every way tested as we are and yet without sin. You overcame you won the victory. And so then we receive this promise right now. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and help for our time of need. So Lord, I'm on my knees before you today saying we're in a time of need and we're so grateful that your mercy and grace are available and we invite it now upon every person we bring our burdens to you and lay them down. We cast our cares upon you because you care for us. We pray for those that are facing physical illness and that are recovering from hardship. We pray for those that are experiencing economic adversity and are just wondering how they're going to cover their expenses. We pray for those that are looking toward their next meal and are feeling very food insecure. Even as we thank you for your provisions for many that we might share them together and experience your blessing. Right now, Lord, especially for the needs that are unspoken among us, we don't even know how to put them into words, but we bring them to you and we welcome you. We prepare you room, Lord, Make yourself known to us as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. If you join me in the prayer, would you say amen? Amen. 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 Thank you. And I am praying. I pray every week for you. I join with a group of uh, intercessors every Sunday morning, and we pray for everybody that is within the ministry of Christ's journey. We pray for churches and homes and schools and hospitals and uh, neighborhoods all across Dade County where we live. We pray for God's blessing to pour out upon the world wherever you live today, and we especially invite it in Jesus' name as we begin this new series, Prepare Him Room. Now, some time ago, I read about a ship in the Pacific Ocean that was crossing the international date line. You know, that's that time boundary that uh, separates two consecutive days. And as they were crossing, it was December 24th when they began their crossing. And as they crossed it, it immediately became December 26th. 
because the direction that they were following, they were heading west. As you head west over that line, a day is added to your uh, calendar to keep you current with the rest of the world, which means that every on board, everybody on board that ship missed Christmas. No December 25th that year. Missed Christmas Day entirely. Can you imagine? When C.S. Lewis was writing his book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and helping us to understand Narnia, we were introduced to Narnia under the curse of the White Witch, where it was always winter, but never Christmas. Can you imagine? Now, boys and girls listening, it's like, no way, right? What would we do without Christmas? Well, some of us... uh, are imagining that right now because this year, oh my goodness, uh, lots of us are wondering what, what is this crazy year going to mean when it comes to Christmas 2020? Well, I'll tell you, at our house, we're keeping Christmas. We're going to make room for Christmas. We're preparing room for Christmas and we're going to celebrate now. It's going to be different, like it's going to be like no other Christmas to be sure, but uh, we're saying thank God for Christmas. When you stop to think about it, there was a time once upon a time, when there was no Christmas in human history. And uh, then that very first Christmas, when Jesus was born, there was no room for him. I mean, the Gospel of Luke tells us that they laid the baby in a feed trough in a stable because there was no room for Christmas in that inn. And that's how we wound up with the, uh, the manger scene. Now, I'm telling you, we've got room at my house, and, uh, and we're making room, and we want to help everybody connected in the Christ journey experience to make room for him this year. In your heart, in your home, in, on your street, in your neighborhood, wherever you go, that the spirit of Christmas in Jesus Christ can go with you. And, um, and that's why we're calling our Christmas initiative this year, Prepare Him Room. Just like the song sang, or that we just sang tells us, prepare him room. It's going to be inspiring. It's going to be exciting. We're going to make some memories together. Um, and that's the key word, together. How are we going to make it through this pandemic? Would you say with me, together? How are we going to make it through the pandemic? Together. How are we going to survive the economic distress? together. Are you joining us at home? Kendall Campus, can I hear you? How are we going to turn the page to a new chapter where 2020 is in our rearview mirror? Together. We don't have to go it alone. We're not supposed to go it alone. That's why Christ has called us into community, and that's why we have Christ's journey to make it together. We're in this together, and what's better than that is listen to this. Matthew's gospel, after explaining to Joseph what God was up to with his betrothed, that it's going to be okay for him to take her home as his wife because what's happening in her is conceived of the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, he quotes a prophecy made during the time of Isaiah, 700 years before Christ. I'd like for us to read it out loud together. So wherever you're connecting, take a deep breath. Here we go. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, God with us means what? Together. 
together. So what Christmas is about is God wants to be with us together because God wants us to be with him together. So Christ's coming means God wants us to be together with him and with each other, which is why God went all this distance, why he came from glory, from eternity into time, why he came from the glory of heaven into the humility of earth. God wants us to be together. The experience of togetherness with him, with one another, it matters. It matters that we are together. Now, even if we're doing it in a different way for a while, so that we're together physically, we're together digitally, we're calling it fidgetal, that we're, try, we're just trying to investigate this new space together. Now, with that heart thought in your mind, consider this. And this is nothing new to you. Our world's in trouble. Has been for millennia. For centuries upon centuries. And 2,000 years ago, the people walking in darkness saw a great light. It was the light that came from God's truth, from God's word, that first led the way. Before there was ever a star in the night, there was a light from his word that led the way in predictions and prophecies and promises that God made to foretell the coming of his son as Messiah. And then one of those prophecies, Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, tells of a star that will come out of Jacob, a scepter, to rise out of Israel. So this is a new king who would bring justice and hope by God's will. And that prophecy came 1,400 years before Christ. And yet his coming would bring light into the darkness of culture, the darkness of our world, and it was a world in trouble then, it's a world in trouble now. My New Testament professor, Dr. McGorman, used to say that Christians live as citizens of two worlds. We are bearing witness to one that is dying, even as we walk toward one that is dawning. The light is rising, and yet the world we're in is in trouble. People are dying. Lives are in the balance. Families are on the brink. Eternity is at stake. This world is in trouble. As each new generation discovers, it's like every one of them has to discover it all over again. And then, you know what? We have opportunity to open anew the Christmas gift and see. See how it works. You ever had a gift that you had to figure out how does that work? You open it up, yeah, and then you have to see if it still works the way that it did when it was first given, and then how it works, how it keeps on working with every passing challenge, and we're in that situation once again now. This year has been a cascading of chaos and crisis. You've got the pandemic, you've got the economic upheaval, you've got the racial tension and the social unrest, you've got a hard political election that has left the, the, the nation extremely sorely divided, and many of us just wondering, okay, what are we supposed to do? Have you ever asked yourself, what, do you, what are you supposed to do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? I have, and I've found an answer that I turn to every time that question rises in me. What do you do when you don't know what to do? 
from the wisdom of Solomon, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. I want to ask you to read it with me out loud together again. Okay, so wherever you are, take a breath and speak it so as to be heard. Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So listen, moms and dads, I'm telling you, whenever your child wonders, I don't know what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? This is one to memorize and to take with you into every day, into every challenge, into every chaotic upheaval. What do you do when you don't know what to do? This is it. It always helps me. But can I tell you, do you know what some people were doing earlier this year to try to keep their sanity in the midst of the cascading chaos that we've been experiencing? They were celebrating Christmas early. Did you know this? I'm sure you did. Maybe you were part of the ones that were doing it. Hallmark Channel started their Christmas movie marathon in July this year. To, to bring some Christmas cheer into the 2020 challenge. Can anybody relate to that? And then back in March, just as the first COVID numbers were climbing, news reports were, were saying this. One way people were trying to stay positive was by digging out the Christmas lights <laughs> and putting them on their house. Social media call-outs were asking people to put, to, to put their lights up outside their home as a sign of hope in a dark time. And that was in March. In fact, studies have shown, maybe you know of this, that it helps, to, it helps your mental health to have Christmas decorations. Lights, songs, celebration. One study claimed that people who have their lights up early were actually happier than others. Now, agree or disagree, I don't know about that. That's not what I'm trying to talk about here. I'm just saying that um, in the dark, in times of darkness, many turn to Christmas to find their hope. You see that? And there's a reason for that. Because that first Christmas angel said this. This is what Christmas does. In fact, you want to read it together with me again? We'll just play like we're all in the angel choir. And we're going to invade the darkness of that night. And we're going to tell the shepherds that we're wondering and we're worrying about this. Here we go. Take a breath and let's speak it out. Let's hear what it has to say. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There's a reason people turn to Christmas for cheer, because that's why God brought it. Good news, great joy that is going to sustain us through the dark times. God in love wants us to be together with him. And so he comes in Christ to be together with us. And then what that means is joy that's what the angels tell us, that God love, God's love brings the joy of togetherness, and with that, we are to fight the darkness. Now, in 2017, a movie came out with the title, The Man Who Invented Christmas. And no, it wasn't about Jesus. It wasn't about Joseph. It was about Charles Dickens author of A Christmas Carol. That's one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite movies, in fact, perhaps yours. 
Well, the movie, this movie tried to show how the characters in it were based on real people in Dickens' life that he wove into this story, and then how the positioning of Christmas in the story laid a foundation for how we've celebrated it ever since, culturally. Now, I'm not bringing it up to say that's true. I'm bringing it up to say that even in Britain in 1843, England, 1843, when that story was first written, Christmas was where Dickens turned to offer hope and change for a better day. And I did a little history background in this. You know, at that time in England, they were also facing disease that was untamed. The big three were cholera, smallpox, and scarlet fever. No cure, but still making its ravaging presence known. It was a time of child labor, time of illiteracy. Dickens himself, at 12 years of age, was forced to work in a factory. His father had been thrown in prison for a debt that he couldn't pay. And at that time, the Industrial Revolution, as it succeeded, was actually taking jobs away from many people in Britain. Jobs that once were done by people are now being done by machines. And so Great Britain was in a time of economic depression. Unemployment was growing exponentially. There were two back-to-back -back harvests in the country that had failed. And so the price of everyday food was more than most people could afford. And at the same time, the upper class of the wealthy privileged, for some reason, seemed resolved never to share their resources with those that were in true need. And then hard times were made even harder for the poor and the disabled, as was Dickens' nephew, Harry. Harry was the real-life inspiration for Tiny Tim, but unlike Tim, Harry didn't survive. Even though Dickens poured all kinds of money into all kinds of doctors, they couldn't find the remedy for what his illness was. So, Christmas Carol, yeah, it's a story about social change that's needed, but it's also at its heart a, a, a story about a change of heart that is needed to spawn a, uh, a hope that will not be extinguished. And it's that kind of togetherness that, Christian, that Christmas brings. Um, so it's when we get our eyes beyond ourselves, this is the story of uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, and then take a risk for the benefit of others that change sparks, that we move out of miserliness into mercy, and you wind up with Ebenezer Scrooge and the life change of his life. Now... Let me tell you, so he didn't just sit around saying, hey, you know, it'd be nice if I could write a new book and make some money. In fact, times were not easy for Dickens at that time. Three of his previous, immediate previous titles were not successful to the point that the publisher said, we're not paying for this. And so Dickens, even though he was having his own financial troubles, came up with a way to cover the expenses so that A Christmas Carol could be put in print. He wrote it in six weeks' time, and it was such a tremendous success, it's never been out of print since. Imagine that, 177 years from that type of cultural setting with disease, economic hardship, depression, financial trouble, 
And then he wants to speak to a culture in need. He's trying to say, you know, if we continue to deny children food, shelter, clothing, education, and medical care, they're going to grow up to be a threat. He was trying to get people's attention to say that. But in contrast, there's also one scene in it where Tiny Tim and his dad, Bob Cratchit, were on their way home from church. And, uh, and Tim says, Tim, who's disabled and sick, mysteriously sick, he says this, I, he hoped that people at church saw him that day because he was a cripple. And it might be pleasant to them to remember on Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Now his attitude, of course, is totally opposite of Scrooge. The tiny Tim, instead of being absorbed in himself, he's... he's uh, it makes him feel happy to think that his disability or his suffering could maybe help remind people of Jesus Christ and then make them happier on Christmas Day. Now, Scrooge, on the other hand, he's completely self-absorbed. He never thinks of others. And in the story, here's what Dickens does. He shows the Christ who came at Christmas as the source of hope and togetherness that perhaps could bring us together. And then together we could multiply hope, we could multiply encouragement, even in our troubles. So Timothy's thinking this, you know, maybe my troubles can help people make room to remember what Christmas is really about. Prepare him room. And how are we going to do that together? That's why this year our initiative is prepare him room. We want to make room for Jesus in your heart, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your life, in, in your crisis right now. So I want to just tell you some tools. Now, we can't do the work for you, but we can provide the tools, and then you can use them over the next several days, the 25 days from December 1st to December 25th, and prepare him room. First, in your daily, in your heart, but through your daily time with God. You can join together with me in devotionals that I've put together. You know, there are some 300 Old Testament references predicting, prophesying, promising different aspects of what Messiah would do and look like when he arrives. So I've taken 30 of the key indicators, and I've sized them into the 25 days from December 1st to December 25th that the New Testament authors highlighted. It's like they spotlighted these. Out of all they had to work with, they spotlighted these because they saw them fulfilled in Jesus as God's Christ. And these promises come from across centuries, I mean, dating back 2,000 years before the time of Christ and right up to his birth. So I'm thinking if you haven't accessed this yet, you'll be inspired, you'll be encouraged as you see what God has done to get us together. And, um, and I hope you'll join us in that. We also have a blessing opportunity to uh, prepare him room in your neighborhood. In, instead of trying to get our neighbors to join us in one location or two locations or whatever location, no, we're the church and we'll just take the hope and the cheer to our neighborhood. Anybody in your neighborhood use a little Christmas cheer? Maybe got their lights up a little early so that they could try to find the hope that, that can come from this? Well, we're asking and we're inviting as many as will to consider this. What if you were to pray, begin praying through this month for 
the, for five families that live immediately around you, either in your neighborhood or in your condo unit or in your apartment where you live or wherever, but just five families is all. And then you just pray for them. You pray for them life, health, happiness, prosperity upon five families that just are right close around you. And then there's more to it than that. But that gets us started. Since we can't all gather in physical space together, we want to take this Christmas Eve home with us this year. And then obey the one who told us and love your neighbors as yourself. And then speaking of preparing room in your home, I'm hoping that every one of our Christ Journey families will prepare your own Advent wreath, whether you use candles or however you want to do that, but that you'll have the telling of the story through the month of December as well as you would desire to do it. And then we also provide opportunities for family activities through our family ministry. But some of the things that Lisa and I like to do with our family as well, and we'll be doing some of this via Zoom because our kids live away from us and you know, our grandkids are away from us, but we like to watch, we got favorite movies we watch. We got certain baking that we do. You might want to read a book like Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe or even The Christmas Carol by Dickens and understanding a little bit more about it now or working on projects or art projects or so many things. You, you've got, but this is the time to do it and to do it together in as safe a space as you can knowing that this is what's at the heart of Christmas. Right there, beating heart in the nativity scene. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. God came in Christ to be with us, to be with you. And then, you know what happened? Little baby Jesus grew to be adult Emmanuel. And as adult Emmanuel, what did Jesus do? Well, when he called his first disciples, have you ever noticed this? Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it said, Jesus appointed 12 that they might be what? With him. The first thing Jesus wanted them to do was just, hey, let's be together, and then we'll send you out to preach. But then as he trained his men to know how to do their ministry, but also how to get along with each other, it's in that context that he gave us this promise, Matthew 18, 20, where two or three gather in my name, there am I with you. And then once again, in the upper room, right before Jesus is preparing to go to the cross, and he's trying to talk to those closest to him and explain how he's going to die and that this is part of God's plan, but they're going to see him again, and then when he goes to be with his father, he's not going to leave them as orphans. And this is what he says, John chapter 14, verse 16, I will ask the father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And you know him because he already lives with you, and he will be in you. Oh, my goodness. This withness of God is at the heart of the gospel. Regardless of what comes our way, God is with us. And this is why Christmas, what Christmas gave birth to was the fulfillment of these promises. Sometimes, you know, you ever had an unbelieving friend who said this to you, how's it going with your imaginary friend? You know, I've had that. You know, a professional businessman like to rag on me sometimes, say, hey, pastor, how's it going with your imaginary friend? 
you know, and then you, you have to have a good sense of humor in order to, but you say, well, I'm so glad you asked, you know, and then let me, can I tell you what he told me this week? But except, oh, one thing, you know, he's not imaginary, invisible, invisible, but not imaginary. There's a difference, you know. In fact, that's what God has promised all through his word, that though we don't see him with our eyes, doesn't mean we can't sense him with our spirit. The invisible presence of one that matters most. In fact, Jesus promised. By the way, I, I guess I want to tell you this. You say, how do you explain that? I can't explain it. I mean, how do you explain a rainbow to a person born without sight? But just because you can't explain it doesn't mean it's not real. And that Jesus promised to make it real when we trust him, when we turn to him. Here's his word in Revelation chapter 3. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice, doesn't say see my presence, does it? Faith comes by hearing. Scripture says it's not seeing is believing. No, no, no. It's those who know how to hear. Then faith can be made sight. And he says, if you hear my voice and you open the door, then I will come in and what? Eat with that person and they with me. God wants to be with us and with you this Christmas. Would you prepare him room? And let's do it now as we pray. Gracious God, we're humbled to be so loved by you. This is more magnificent than we can put into words. But to imagine somehow that the God of the cosmos who speaks nothing, speaks to nothing, and it has to become something, that you can still speak to those places that feel like nothing in us and cause your something of life and hope and love in Christ to become real. And I pray that right now for some who have been just going through the battle, who've been running the race, but who feel weary, who feel fatigued. Some that the clouds of uh, depression and sorrow, of worry and anxiety are trying to close in. For them right now, we thank you that you are with them and that you are causing the light to penetrate the darkness. And as they respond to the hearing of your word, that you will make yourself known to them and present at their table. Be with us, Lord. We need you. We want you. We welcome you. And if this is the first time that you have ever prayed, Lord, be with me. I welcome you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you for the gift of salvation I have in Jesus Christ. Lord, for those who pray that for the first time, may they have a special sense 
that you have heard and answered their prayer and make yourself known to them as their friend. In your name I ask it. Amen.